In the shadow of the most powerful city in the world, the Capital Golf Gang is on the air with instructor John Ronis from the Ronis Academy at River Creek, executive director of the Middle Atlantic PGA, John Gould, and former University of Maryland golfer, Ron Thomas. And now your host from Afternoon Drive on the Team 980 Radio in Washington, D.C., Steve Zabin. This is the part of the summer where things get a little bit loose. Guys are out and about on vacation playing tournaments and playing with friends all over the place. Sort of like a golf round that gets a little bit squirrely. But you know what? We hold it together by hook or by crook. We are in four different locations today, but I've got the gang all here, as you heard in the introduction. Johnny Ronis, John Gould, and Ron Thomas, all by telephone today. I'm in the Outer Banks, boys, as the weather has been interesting. Let's just put it that way. How you doing, everybody? Let's say hello. John Ronis, how are things out of the teaching bay at the Ronis Academy? I can hear the cicadas behind you. Yeah. It's like car alarms going off. It's great. Here, hold the, fo- hold the phone up. Oh, I heard it better last time. Must be the noise canceling. Uh, Mr. Thomas, you are back from Indianapolis. How are you, my friend? I'm great. I'm actually sitting in the parking lot at Golfdom. So I shop here. Not only do we do the show from here, but I shop here. What are you shopping for? My wife has got, she's caught the bug. Oh. And it makes me happy. Oh. And so she's a, she has asked for a Callaway 11 wood. Nice. And she's asked, yeah, and she's asked for a new driver. And Ronis is thinking to himself, Ronnie, why don't you talk to me about this? No, 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 no. They're great over there. They have a huge selection, and you'll find anything you want there. <laughs> but you could also go to see John Ronis and get fit for clubs as yeah. well. And John sure. Gould, bless your heart, you drove all the <laughs> way to Golfdom today and then read the fine print of my text saying, we're on the phone this week. I'm so sorry. Can I buy you a cheeseburger as a compensation? Uh, well, I'm always up for a cheeseburger, but yeah, that's completely my fault. But I'm still happy to be uh, part of the call, and uh, yep, it, we'll we'll make it happen. Like well, you said. We'll at least problems. you didn't drive to the Outer Banks. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hey, true. come meet me at the Outer Banks. <laughs> in Duck. So anyway, it's Wednesday as we tape this, and it's before Jack's tournament, the Memorial. <laughs> it's a big week in golf. We had the NCAAs that went on the last two days. Uh, we have some LPGA news to talk about as well. We're rounding into the traditional Father's Day weekend next week in the U.S. Open at uh, Torrey Pines. So there's a lot to talk about. We would love it if this show would be able to hit on the actual results exactly as they happen, but sometimes we tape ahead of time and we just deal with it. We'll also talk about Jordan Spieth coming up short against Jason Kokrak last week in Texas. More on the Brooks Kepka bryson DeChambeau story, and how will Naomi Osaka's saga with tennis wash over to golf, if it will at all. But first, I bring up the scarlet letter Q quitting. It's such a dicey subject in golf, and some have different opinions about it. Ron, you told a story a month ago about a guy you played with at a qualifier who flat out quit and walked off the course. Extremely bad form. This argument or discussion about quitting involves Shan Shan Feng, outstanding player on the LPGA Tour who lost in the semis 
of this match play event at Shadow Creek and then turned down playing the consolation match the next day and caught heat for it. She said basically it was hot. She didn't want to get worn out. U.S. Women's Open was short, was next after that. Was she wrong to do that? I'll start with the tournament player himself, Mr. Thomas. Your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are simple. Any time that you are uh, scheduled to tee it up and you – well, first of all, you entered the tournament knowing that a consolation match was a possibility – uh, my take on it is simple. You play. Right. That's what I figured you'd yeah. say. John Gould, what do you think as a tournament administrator? Well, as an administrator, I'd be a little frustrated if a player uh, uh, quit in, in this case. Uh, but, you know, I, I liken this whole thing to the NBA these days and load management. I, I understand the player perspective in this case. Uh, you know, Bang is, is he's got a major coming up. The Constellation, I mean, if she would have won, she would have played in the finals to try to win, but the Constellation uh, match really means nothing. It's just TV filler. Uh, I can see her point, you know, so I'm, I'm not hard on fast one way. As an administrator, I would have wanted her to play, but as a as a player and, and an advocate for the players, I, I see uh, I see her rationale and understand That it. is a great point. It is like load management, and in a bad way. John Ronis, your thoughts? You know, when you enter a tournament, you know the format. And you know that uh, you may get to the finals and play, and it wouldn't have been too hot if she played in the finals. Mm. And um, she knew going into time that if she lost in the semifinals that she would play a consolation match. And it's your obligation to continue playing for yourself, for the field, for the sponsors, and for everything else. So there's really no ex- – in my book, there's no excuse whatsoever. Players are – I understand John's uh, take, but players are there to play. Right. And that's what she signed up for. So there's really no excuse whatsoever. So was there money attached to winning the consolation match? Uh, well, oh, yeah, I'm sure, there, I'm sure, sure there's sure, a different. But, yeah. yeah, there's third, third place third money place and there's fourth place. place. So, right. so she did at least, she, she flushed some money, which I guess if you're doing that, you feel less, I guess, guilty about it. Like, hey, I am forfeiting potentially money. But, you know, this tour, boys... It's not exactly rolling in deep-pocketed sponsors. It's not no. exactly lighting the television world on fire. I mean, you no, know. No, it's, 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 now, it's now two matches it turns into one for the viewing audience as well. Right. So it's literally like getting a halftime in the NBA, and you're not getting the full game. So it's it's really it's poor poor judgment and poor taste, frankly. Yeah. Well, what it is? The LBJ tour was unhappy. You know that. Yeah. That, that, to your point, or and whoever the, the sad part is, I don't know who was covering. I think it was Golf Channel doing the matches. But I'm not sure. You know, so the the combination of the tour and the Golf Channel were probably not very pleased. Well, it's also it's selfish because you have an opponent you're supposed to be playing. What's the opponent do now? I mean, yeah. you know, did, did she play? play. Did, did she say, well, can I invite three friends and play as a foursome since Shan Shan's <laughs> not going to play? <laughs> like, this, this Shadow Creek is a nice place. I'd like to play another round here if you don't mind. And maybe she wanted that competitive round to prepare for the U.S. Open. I'm not sure actually who it is, but um, yeah. she might have said, I'd, I'd like another round to prepare for tournament golf. Now, I am not completely clean in this regard because I quit the Virginia Am qualifier at River Creek, right there where you are, John Ronas, after nine holes. And I'm not Mm -hmm. proud of it, but I own up to it. 
Part of the reason was I was playing so poorly. I was like Vinko Bogataj, the ski jump guy in the wide world of sports, the agony of defeat. Like, I was such a mess. I think I shot like 54 or something on the front nine. It was a disaster. Yeah. I quit in part because I thought I would cry if I had to play another nine holes, and I didn't want to cry on the golf course. But also, I don't think, Ron, I was doing any favors to the guys I was playing with. Not that I was throwing a tantrum, not that I was carrying on, but it was just bad golf. I didn't want them to have to look at me drown. How bad yeah, was my WD in that I, case? I understand that. That's an inevitable emotion is to feel that you're in the way. So I do understand that completely. But it I wasn't, wasn't on television. You didn't have an opponent. And I wasn't two over. I wasn't like four or five over and thought I should be one under. I literally was a complete disaster. <laughs> Have you guys ever WD'd in an event in no. college or in amateur events, Ron? I WD'd from a Maryland Open qualifier, but it was due to injury, and it was at Fountainhead. Okay. I, I'm sorry. It was no. I'm sorry. It was the first, not a qualifier. It was Maryland Open, and I qual and I WD'd just one time in my life because of injury. And what was That's what was the injury? Who my arm. shoulder? What Ooh, do you my think? arm, it's yeah, broken. The, the shoulder. <laughs> Remember so. the time, speaking of quitting, and this is like variants of quitting. Remember the time John Daly and Mark Kalkovecki were fined for playing too fast at the TPC when they were uh, in the first pairing of the day? They played in two hours and three minutes flat and shot 80 and 81. And the tour said, yeah, you didn't really take it seriously. We're going to fine you an undisclosed amount. Yeah, you know what? They were still out there, though. The zoo animals were still out there. So, you know, sometimes That's true. they're grazing Savannah and sometimes they're sleeping. <laughs> sometimes so, they're lying you know, down in they the shade. Still out there. Yeah. <laughs> I promised you a giraffe and a hippo. That's what you got. <laughs> um, I have never quit. I have never quit myself, but I actually, back in the day where we ran qualifiers for the senior tour and we, we, had, a, we had the Nike tour at the time, I actually asked some guys to quit because they were a distraction to the other players and, and really making it difficult when wow. they were shooting over 100 when guys are trying to qualify. You know, back in the day, Calvin Pete, great player that he was, may he rest in peace, uh, he was accused of frequent no cards or WDs to try to save his stroke average. And they're like, hey, man, what's going on here? Some guys will definitely do that. They'll try to, like, protect their numbers by you know, bailing out halfway. Mickelson's slap around at the U.S. Open was really, really bad, and I thought John Gould should have been DQ'd. Yep. Uh, Daly did the same thing at Pinehurst at the U.S. Open. He was DQ'd, I believe. Well, I think he hit a moving ball and then just picked it up and, and right. you know, you can't just take an X in, in a tournament. I'll is, move on to the next hole. Is opting out of the Olympics a form of quitting if you're eligible? No. No, I mean, I no, so. no. Okay. I mean, if you enter and then show up at the Olympic Village and then say, you know what, I'm too tired. Yeah. That's a different ball game. Meanwhile, we had one guy, our guy Hatron, quit after a hole and a half on our final day at Pinehurst because he was pouring. But it cleared up quickly, and it was a beautiful day after that. He quit his match with his partner and said, let's go to Cracker Barrel instead for breakfast. <laughs> he'll never, classic. He'll never live it down. Ever live no. it down. Okay, let's no. segue to uh, Jason Kokrak beating Jordan Spieth uh, at Colonial, where they're going to tear that place up next, uh, right away, and I guess redo it. Significant yeah. redesign coming? Yep. 
Uh, Spieth's, yeah, and- yeah, Spieth's comeback is amazing so far, boys, but he's seemingly having some problems closing the deal. Your thoughts on the Wonder Boy? I don't know if anyone else. I, I caught the beginning of the round, like the first five or six holes. It was some pretty ugly golf uh, between both of those guys, and then Kokrak got it together pretty nicely. But um, yeah, you know, he's still he's. I think Speed is still fighting a couple little demons that show themselves in a in a higher pressure situation, and he wants to win so badly. But I still hand it to him for continually putting himself in a position to win. But um, you know, it's hard, it's hard, hard, hard to win out on the PGA Tour. So, you know, just didn't do it again. But keep putting himself there, and, and he'll learn from each time. You know what's crazy is that this guy was the premier player in the world for a short time. Well, a pretty significant 2017 amount of time. 2017 to 2019, basically. Yeah, and to think that this game is so humbling, that's yes. my point. It yes. really is. Yes. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's got almost the career grand slam, and we're talking about him not being able to close, close. the deal because he's still working on stuff, and he's almost that. He's almost there. He's almost back. I it's know. such a tough, hard game. It, it really is. It, is, it really yeah. is. And it's just awesome to have him back, though. I mean, for him to be competitive, he was the story of the tournament, you know, a week after <laughs> Phil, and Phil was in the tournament, but... Uh, you know, it, it, he was the story, and that's what kept people watching TV. And you're right, he didn't close, but it, it certainly the fact that he was there made for good TV viewing, that's for sure. Is he one of the three biggest stars currently taking divots, not counting, of oh, course, yeah. Big Cat, who's recuperating? Yes. Got to be. Yes. Who are, the th- yeah. who are the big three, then, if there's three guys? Well, Spieth is one of them, and then you have Phil? to, for the people who like him, eh, not really, but you, you get the people who like him, if, if Kepka's leading or DeChambeau's leading, or all for Johnson. different, yeah, all, I don't even know about Dustin Johnson as much, because he's just a little bit I'm boring, not sure he's the, a star. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's guys, DeChambeau, Phil, and Spieth. Fair enough. Just uh, Phil isn't up there enough. I, I know one guy. That's why. I know one guy who's not one of the stars. Fowler. Yeah, Fowler, but <laughs> but Jason Kokrak is not one of the stars. Is no. it me, or is he just the dullest turd since Jason Duffner? I don't mean to say turd. Nice guy. Nice yeah. fella, but yeah. just, just a big old mm-hmm kind of hey, a guy. Steve. Steve, do you remember being at Tiger's yes. tournament at Avenel and, you, and yep. how just astonished we were at what we were watching? Yeah, I, I remember thinking to myself that I've seen a lot of tour guys hit the ball, tour pros in person, but this is different. This was different. And Zabe, you were blown away when you were watching him hit those shots. The ball just kept going and going, and it looked so effortless. But he's a big I think dude. He, but I will yeah, say he is that a big on the dude. one of the long holes, hitters on tour, yeah. Speed was out driving him. I'd speed this on the guy. First few holes. Speed, man. I don't know where he's getting it from, man. It's yeah. impressive, though. But yeah. Um, Memorial Tournament, have you seen the redesigns uh, on social media? There's some pretty good videos on Instagram. Nicholas talking about what they did. Apparently the 16th hole at Jack's Place is totally redone. Your thoughts on Muirfield? When is the tournament? starts? Yeah, it's already going on, right? By the time people hear this, it'll be midway through. There you have it. You know, the fact that he changed the hole completely, um, I think it just is Jack also just, you know, getting back in the game as far as mentally staying fit 
with his club design kind of mentality. And right. um, it's such a great piece of property. I think you can probably pretty much do anything you want with it. Who, who here has played it? I'll raise my I hand. Have, I have not. I've never played it. Oh, it's it's really sweet. I mean, it's it's Ursat's Parkland modern design, Nicklified houses around it, McMansions around it, but it's so good, and it is always in such insanely good condition. It's one of the greatest courses I've ever set foot on, well before all these redesigns. But to me, the one thing that this says is it's hard to not want to tinker if you're a golfer, whether it's with your swing, with your equipment, or the golf course that you built, the championship course. I mean, Nicholas is at that stage in life. He's got the money. The club has the money. You know, the members have the money. It's kind of a huge waste of money in theory, but if they want to move a lot of dirt around and I moved the green up here and I added 10 yards over here, <laughs> do it, right? Why not? Well, the other things is that the equipment that you, you have at your disposal now relative to the equipment that they were able to use back when he was designing it, mm-hmm. he may have always thought about those changes but couldn't do it whether it was co- too costly or whatever. Right. And so he's probably had that in the back of his mind the whole time. Well, it's kind well, of like living in the same house, you know? Yes, Some it is. Right. Yeah. right. Here's the question I have. Is the, is the golf course needing to be tinkered with no because of because no. of the equipment and because of not not the bulldozers and stuff, but because of the guys who play golf now and how they play it. Would he leave it the way it was if they didn't hit it 356 off the tee? The short answer going out to break is, of course, it's always the equipment. It's always guys hitting too far. But guess what? They're still going to take it deep if the greens are soft and the wind doesn't blow. Welcome to the story of modern golf in today's day and age. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back here with more of the Capital Golf Gang. Presented by Golfdom, we'll play a quick nine with the fellas next. I got a good layout of nine holes. Stay with us. You're listening to the Capital Golf Gang on the Team 980. You are listening to the Capital Golf Gang. Four guys who still don't know the difference between red stakes, yellow stakes, and white stakes. Except they're all bad. I know this. They call it the penalty area, right, John Gould? Instead of the hazard. A new term. Correct. Penalty area. Red or yellow. It's no longer longer all squared either. It's tied. Great. (laughs) These new terms. Oh, you can. Okay. Okay. Still acceptable. Yeah. All right, boys. We are back. Capital Golf Gang presented by Golfdom. Zabe here at the Outer Banks. I got the boys, John Ronas, Ron Thomas, and John Gould on the phone. Let's play a quick nine. Here we go. We talked about quitting in the first segment. Hole number one. Is there really such a thing as being so bad that you should quit the game of golf? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if you want to ask me that question. Uh, we're gonna go. We're gonna no. go. Stand. We're gonna go standard no. order. Ronus, Thomas, Gould on all these answers. All right. Uh, uh, fixed the answer is no. order. The answer is no because you can fix them. Come yeah, see John yeah. Ronus at the Ronus Academy. Right. He'll fix you. Right. There's no mirrors in my bay for me to look at myself. <laughs> exactly. I, I have I have given up a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> you know what's the what is the teacher's line? I want you to take two weeks off and then quit. Yeah. Well, I'm close. I'm 30 years. Ron Thomas. Yeah, Ron Thomas. What do you uh, say? 
I I think that some people will never be good at golf, and they should hang them up. I'm serious. A shocking answer from the show's hopeless romantic, Ron Thomas. Yeah, exactly. John Gould. Yeah, well, my my point is it it shouldn't be based on how bad you are because, you know, as as we indicated, uh, Ronas can teach you or you can improve. But it should be about if you're not having fun anymore. If it's not fun, if you go out there, you expect to be awful and you meet your expectations, you know, then then probably you want to quit if it's not fun anymore. But if you're having fun being bad, go for it. Oh, I've heard I've heard of guys who have said I took ten years, twelve years off because it wasn't fun anymore. And these are guys who were good at golf, who just yeah. lost the taste for it, but then found it again and were very happy. So it does happen. Hole number two, quick nine, match play. Adirondack chairs overlooking the 18th green, watching other matches at your local course with beers in hand or a lemonade, or a room with HD TVs watching golf and sports, i.e., the grill room. Rate that match. Ooh, good question. I, I actually just go with a one-up in the Adirondack chairs. Adirondack chairs one-up, says John Ronas. Mr. Thomas? The same. Yep, Adirondack chairs overlooking the club. Absolutely. All right, John Gould. Yeah, I got to agree. I'm going to go two and one. I, I just like the live, seeing, seeing real people is better than watching on TV, even though if you gave me specific TV assignments like uh, Masters on Sunday after I've already played down to the last three That's a good point. I I can make some exceptions. It it does depend. I was going to say three and two Adirondack chairs just because there's golf on TV, sports on TV all the time. When you get a rare chance where there's someone else you know that you want to watch to see how they finish – and there's nice Adirondack chairs over a nice 18th green. You get to watch guys slap it around and choke. That's fun. That doesn't happen very often. So that's that's what yeah, I like. Hole number three. What's the best thing about playing a truly humble, mangy-ass Muni golf course with all that comes with it? With the brown spots and the unraked bunkers and everything else. What's the best thing about it, John Ronas? The people. The people that you meet, it's a different it, – it, it might be a different clientele than you're used to going to the posh private clubs. It's a different atmosphere, and you get to meet people who, you know what, they love the game of golf for the game of golf as right. opposed to, you know, their golf cart being clean or their, um, you know, fairway being perfect or the greens being perfect. So I love – I, that's what I would rather do at this point in my life is just show up at public courses <laughs> and just meet the people. All right, John, yeah, Ron I, Thomas. Yeah, John, I completely agree. One of my the, – the things that I enjoy most about those clubs, and I grew up on a golf course that wasn't exactly uh, special and perfect, but the thing that I really enjoy is when you, you come in and you pay, okay, and the guy who is taking your money will then turn around and get you a hot dog and a Snickers. <laughs> yes. and, then if, and then if you need some range balls, he's going to go out and fill up your bucket – and then he's going to tell you where the first tee is. He's going to pull your cart around. And then when you're done, or in the, early in the morning, you might see him out there cutting greens. So it's the yeah. people for me. That is great. The one-counter golf course. If there's one yeah. counter for everything, you know you're home at a humble beauty. <laughs> John That's Gould. Great. Yeah, I, along the same lines, perspective. Uh, just realizing what is important, uh, what, what we take for granted. 
what we have in our lives that, that we should be more appreciative of. Uh, so I, I think you know, playing those courses, and I'm not saying it's, it's, uh, it's a step down at all. I'm just saying it gives you perspective on what you have and what you don't have. And as, as Rona's put it, you, you realize why you're playing for the love of the game and not because of the trappings of yeah. a, I would, a posh private club. I would argue one reason, Ron, is it makes you a better player hitting off all those funky lies and putting on greens that are not great, right? It's true. Very true. But I think the real yes. answer is essentially the re- the best thing about playing a mangy muni is it's so pure in its essence. Yeah. It yeah. just is what the game is all about. Okay, hole number five. Or no, no, hole number four. Now that we've had the new drop rules where you go knee height and you're dropping it looking forward, how do you feel about that rule change? I have a very bad back, so the bending over process is very <laughs> difficult for me. It's all good. You know, we talked about this a couple of years ago when they introduced a lot of these things, and, you know, you get all heated up about some of them, but the fact is it's just change is change, and we adapt to it. It's fine. Ronnie? You know, well, you know what it's offered up for me and my playing partners is an opportunity to do something uh, basically making fun of yourself. Uh, we see some great <laughs> people, you know, like doing a curtsy, the curtsy. drop. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even in Pinehurst, we saw some drop. These guys are just making fun of themselves, you know, t- taking a certain <laughs> stance or position or crouch. It's pretty silly if you ask what, me to be John, careful. John Gould, what is the rule? Can you bend your knees a little bit to drop it? Yeah, it, the answer is it has to be a knee height. So however you get to that, you could... You can get on your knee like you're proposing, you're, and if you drop it from that point, if the ball is knee height, right? You can. So, what if I'm squatting? Yeah, what if I'm squatting chance. like Johnny Bench, and my knees are six yeah. inches above the ground? Well, no, it's where your knee, your knee is. So, oh, how your knee is standing. So, like if I bend down and propose, what I'm saying is my knee, my leg is straight, so my knee is still at knee height. And so I your legs do that. need to be straight, basically. Catcher's crowd. Someone have to come out and pick me up off the ground. <laughs> what if your arms? What if? What do you got? Pterodactyl arms that don't reach to your knees when you're Perfect. bending over you gotta, at the waist. You bend over. You can bend your knees. You just have to get it okay. at where your height of your knees is. If okay. that's 18 inches, then drop it at 18 inches. So, I, I imagine. What I would say about this thing is, yeah. we found out that it was not a big deal. You know, everybody was like, "Oh my god, it's going to be so hard," and it's really not. And what we're trying to, what the whole rule, purpose of the rule was to try to get it to be one drop and done, not yeah. these two drops and strategically placing it so you can get to place it. You know, it, it's just drop and go and, and, you know, keep moving on. And I would assume being a rules official, you've seen how it's cleaned these things up considerably, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, there's less rulings after, you know, it's, it's less two drops in place. It's, it's generally a drop and in, those, in the, uh, New relief area, and then you keep moving. Yeah, boys, I, I got to tell you, Ronnie, it feels like cheating. Oh, yeah. Since I first did it in a, a, an event for, at our Malcolm where we were actually keeping score and stuff and the cases where I had a drop, I was like, oh, look at this fluffy little patch here. That's well within my two club lengths. Yeah. And, boy, I wouldn't like – and, you know, from knee height, you can pretty much land it where you want to. The old school drop over the shoulder behind you. I mean, that was oh, just that was a lottery. Crazy. That was a lottery yeah. of who knows what yeah. you're going to get. This is like, yeah. ooh, where's the little fluffy patch? Blink. There it is. Okay, hole number six. All right, hole number five. I'm one hole ahead all the time. Range ethics. Is hitting somebody's leftover balls technically 
stealing if you're at a course <laughs> where you've got to pay for a bucket of balls? No. the home for you, Zabe. No. Just hit whatever's there. Yeah. yeah. Hit yeah, whatever's there. If someone leaves them, it's like a waste. It's like if they, you know, you got to clean up their food. If they're not going to eat half the cheeseburger, Is it, you got to eat it. Are you saying it's like huh. eating hallway food at a hotel with room service left out? Yeah. Right. If you're really desperate it looks drunk. good. You know, it's there for someone. <laughs> That's the that's the opinion across the board because you know what I felt bad doing it here at the Currituck Club at the Outer Banks because they've got a range people go hit their balls they run off to the first tee they always leave some I walk up and I just hit their leftovers don't pay for a thing feel like I'm mooching. Well, I mean you should pay for something oh well and so there you, you go so well, you should pay for your bucket of balls and then you just walk around looking at the guys that you think are not going to be able to finish their bucket. You know, maybe they're. A I circle. I like circle that. like a vulture. And you call, cover. Call. Exactly. <laughs> All right. How about and then this? And you go up to me and say, "Are you going to finish those balls?" How about the <clears> fact <throat> I went to the chipping area and I chipped the balls that were up on that chipping green over into a pile and then carried them over to a hitting station? Was that wrong? Zave, this is all called being resourceful. Okay. You're going to be applauded and commended I for think, your resourcefulness. I think when I go back, to, when I go back today, I'm going to pay him seven bucks for the bucket yesterday and seven bucks for the bucket today. No, see if you can get twice as many balls for free as you did yesterday. <laughs> That's what you yeah. need to focus on. Hole number six. Name one famous game worn golf shirt you would pay big money to own. I'd go Tiger ninety seven Masters. It's a good one. I wouldn't, pay, I wouldn't pay more than ten bucks, but I'd go Tiger ninety seven Masters just because it was kind of historic. Ron Nicholas eighty Nicholas eighty yeah. six Masters. That's, that's the easy. that's the holy grail. That's the Babe Ruth of golf shirts. I wonder if he still has that framed somewhere. I don't know. I, I often wonder if every if these guys hold on to all of their Ryder Cup or all of their uh, past bags. You know that they have shirts. Different you know, things. Nicholas. Nicholas is so into his philanthropic stuff that he probably auctioned that off and raised tons of money for children's hospital of some sort. Possibly. John Gould, what one game worn would you love to have? You know, I, I'm going to get a, a little bit towards Ronas here. That I, I don't think there's anything I would pay for. Uh, I, I just don't. I, that's not like my my thing for for a game worn golf shirt. I, I, you know, certainly. Do you a, collect a, jerseys? A, uh, for a jersey, I might, but, you know, I, I don't this know. This is a, a golf, golf jersey. jersey. It's the same as a golf jersey. Okay. Uh, I, I would love to have Justin Leonard's god-awful Ryder Cup jersey or Ooh. shirt from Brookline, yeah. uh, the one he made that monster putt in. It was so funny. Yeah. That, that shirt is one of the ugliest shirts in major championship history, and it was a collage of all these past Ryder Cup captains, yeah. I think, in frames. And I yeah. guess it looked good to somebody. It was ugly. But they rolled out in those on Sunday and were like, what is that? <laughs> Tell you what, you wouldn't be able to wear it those days. That was like a youth small for Justin Leonard back then. I know. It was. Well, hey, there there were two guys who wore the worst shirts on tour for a long time. One of them was Duffy Waldorf. Right. And the other was the dude. I, why can't I remember his name? I'm blanking right now. Who, used, who hit his head over, hit him over, Woody himself over the head. Woody Austin. Yes. Well, yeah, you, you, you know, awful. Club. Exactly right. Club pro guy wears the Woody Austin classic yes. Antigua shirt with the green and all that. The the, the like forest in Arizona sunset yes, with yes, the cactus. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Hole number seven. Hole number seven. What would be harder? Making a par on a three hundred and fifty yard par four flat, maybe one or two bunkers at most, with only a one iron, 
or making a par on a 125-yard par 3, mostly flat with only a putter. Either a butter knife from 350 or a putter from 125. You got to make par to save your life. Which do you choose? John Rose. Mm. Ooh, you know, being a golf pro and people having a couple beverages and coming in and saying, Ronis, come on out here. We're going to play this. You get one club and it's going to be this. I've done pretty much all of that. And um, I would say it's an even match, actually, say, but I'd probably say it's harder with the putter. Okay. Ronnie. I think it'd be easier with the putter. You can move your hands back, get a little off to the putter, so I'm going putter. Cool. Yeah, I'm definitely going the putter, too. I think I can catch it pretty good off the tee to get it 100 yards to get it close to the green. But And the, the vice versa is with that one iron, I get close to the green on a par four, I'm, I'm going to be those. I think I'd try. I think I'd try the one iron, but it, it's really close. Uh, I'd, I'd worry that I'd get the putter offline and somewhere where I couldn't put it onto the green, and then you're dead. And then you're dead. I'd hit my putter better off the tee than my driver. <laughs> All right, hole number eight, quick nine. Name one thing that maybe your other golf bros might tease you about having or using an accessory or something, but you've got no shame, no shame, and you proudly use it. One thing. I like 12 head covers. Um, I would have to say the uh, five hybrid that I have in my bag Ooh. that they consider I'm in the nine-hole senior group. <laughs> the five hybrid. I didn't know they made sure. hybrids up to five. Okay. Oh, it's getting lower every year. <laughs> All right, uh, Ron Thomas. Uh, I have a six hybrid. I have a oh, five hybrid, wow. a six hybrid. I do not use, I don't carry a five iron. And the only reason I have a six iron is to punch out of the trees. That's the God's honest truth. <laughs> and an occasional out. bump and run around the greens. But my, <laughs> my six hybrid is my six. No, no two way chipper. That's you have one of those cool. No, you need that for your punch out. Oh, no way. Six iron. I punch it low, do whatever. Cool. What about you? It's not, it's not a piece of equipment, but I know I get made fun of by, when I play with our pros. I always have another ball in my pocket. So I have the ball, <laughs> oh. using, the ball in my pocket because I'm so used to jacking one out of bounds or doing something that I'm not going to walk back to the cart like they all could do and remark a golf ball like it's not you know, it's brand new out of the pocket. I've got one ready to go. And I've got, I get teased about that. I love it. the way my game works. Almost as good as Langley High School's golf coach, Sonny Chisholm, who was just really the basketball coach who played golf and coached us. He would put his head cover for his driver in his back pocket before teeing <laughs> off when he was with us <laughs> in matches. And boy, did we give him merciless grief about that. For me, it is a little visor or hat ball marker magnet that goes <laughs> clips on mm-hmm. there. It is, for whatever reason, not used by anyone on the PGA Tour that I have ever seen. Yet it is the staple of the LPGA. It, I don't know why it is. Well, maybe, maybe that's the reason. Today, that but guess what? I, but they, they sell them for men, uh, or they just sell them for anybody in golf shops. Amateurs use them. I think it's super convenient, but it's kind of dorky. It is. Finally, hole number nine, quick nine. Who is your new favorite, not yet a name, PGA or LPGA Tour player? Not yet a name, but they're coming. I would have to go with my boy here at River Creek, Michael Brennan. He'll be there. He just started college. Yeah, he'll be there. Okay. Uh, Roundus, Thomas. You know who mine is? Mine is a guy named Joe Sheffries. Joe Joe. 
my boy. Can you guys? Is he on tour just, yet? Can no? I I, He's I know. I, years old. I, I'm using this as an opportunity to point out that Joe Sheffries has almost won every tournament that he's played in so far this year. He just finished second in the uh, Metropolitan Mid Amateur. But more importantly, he gets to play at Woodmont Country Club in the United States Open Sectional, where he his qualified for it for his his home course. He gets a I, chance to go to the U.S. Open. I started teaching Joe when he was eleven. I know you did. That's another reason I'm bringing All him right. up. This guy's on fire. He's on fire. Good. John Good. John Gould, go ahead. Uh, all right, I, I read this question as someone actually on tour. No, correct reading, and by I the think, way. I, I think, uh, and Zalatoris, his probably name is too big now, but I, I'm going to go with uh, Akshay Batia, a uh, 18-year-old yes. that is kind of, uh, you know, he got a top 10 last fall, uh, you know, turned to, uh, pro right out of high school and is actually pretty good. So I, he's kind of a name I expect to do well here shortly. All right, good. I'll tell My- you a quick story about Akshay before he starts, Abe. We were at the U.S. Junior when I was with Matthew. And the coaches were coming up to Akshay, and he's like, uh, no interest here. I'm not going to college. Wow. How about that? Yeah, yeah, but- uh, my guy is Harry Higgs out of SMU, 6'2", 235. We're going to have a fat guy be relevant on the PGA Tour again. We're bringing back fat guys. So Harry Higgs is my guy. Hey, Keep an eye out. Hey, Z, I, w- hey, I got to get quickly. No, no quickly. Yeah. Well, Justin Thomas gave money to some pro. Did you see that to we'll keep talk, his career going? We'll talk about that on the other side. Thank you for bringing it up. That plus the college golf championships, the NCAAs, the rise of super seniors, plus the new generation and what they look like as players, all that and more in our final segment of the Capital Golf Gang presented by Golfdom. Listening to the Capital Golf Gang. Four guys who want to aside. Automatic presses, tee it up everywhere, and use the grease. We are back. Final segment here. Capital Golf Gang, presented by Golfdom. Get on down to Golfdom. Get that Father's Day gift lined up. Dad will like anything from Golfdom. U.S. Open is coming up next week as well. Uh, it's great time to uh, be playing golf. We're supposed to have, boys, a cooler than normal summer for the first time in the DMV in almost 12 years, according to leading meteorologists. So let's take advantage of it. Cicadas notwithstanding. Okay, you were mentioning, Ron, before the break that Justin Thomas went out of pocket to help a fellow tour pro keep playing. And I'm going to look up his name right now. Do you remember the guy's name? I don't. It was a fellow who who Monday qualified. The video went viral. And he uh, called his dad, and he was crying. We talked about this. That's it was right. him. Yes, Michael Michael Visaki, Michael yeah. Visaki, yeah. big big Mike, big Mike. So when he qualified for that tournament, he got a sponsor's exemption into this tournament that they just played. And um, Justin Thomas called him and said, "Would you like to play a practice round?" And then after the practice round, he handed him a, a check that we don't still know how much it was for. 
Well, the funny thing was, Club Pro guy <laughs> photoshopped a check that said Justin Thomas $25 with the keep chasing the dream in the memo line. <laughs> That's so wrong. That's so funny. Good, good for him, though. So I'm watching the, uh, the college, the NCAA uh, championships on the Golf Channel. And I'm glad it's on. I really wish, though, Ron Thomas and you, John uh, Ronis, because you played in college, both of you, could they please handhold us just a bit as viewers as to here's the format. It's singles today, then it'll be team tomorrow, and it'll be team match play. Give me a graphic. I mean, over and over, coming in and out of breaks. Don't assume that we know everything about this, okay? But I'm watching these young guns, both the gals and the guys. My God, boys, the speed and the sound through impact. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong? Really? It's insane. Whoo! It's insane. I know. Well, Ronis, I Ronis you teach these guys. Yeah, you know. It's totally insane. I was following, you know, Michael was playing for Wake Forest. So um, I was following some of his stuff because his dad was reporting via text. He had 293 into one of the par fives and knocked it uh, pin high left. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's 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 six hundred and twenty yard par five. The uh, the Maryland golf team comes out to our club pretty regularly. They both the men and the women, and it's not abnormal for twenty to thirty of our members, if they're around, when they see that van pull up, they will walk to the first tee just to watch them hit it off the first tee. Just the sound it makes, right? The move. Uh, they're not all the same golf swings, which is refreshing, but they all do the same thing at impact, and that's compress the ball. There, there is also something now called the rise of the super seniors. In other words, guys who have an extra year of eligibility, and they transfer from a lesser program to a more high-profile one, including there's a kid, Brightwell, I think. He played at UNC Greensboro with a kid we know, Ron. That would be young Benjamin Crow. The yep. son of Ken Crow, who was our host at the National down there at Pinehurst many years, saw this kid when he was just you know knee high to a grasshopper, and now he's out there. Uh, the, I said I texted Kenny and I go, "Is this is this kid? Did you play with him?" I was like, "Benny, you play with him?" He's like, "Yup." He's like, "He transferred because he wanted a better shot of the tour," and I said, "Oh, I bet he was just <laughs> sick of losing to you in practice." He laughed at that. <laughs> but is this good for the college game or not? These guys that jump ship for one year to a larger program. No. It's not good. No, and in fact, it's it's stunting a freshman and sophomore class because you have kids who are basically getting shoot. I, they might even get six years of college. Really? Because of the two years of COVID, it's, oh, it's a right. weird portal system. And so, uh, no, it's not. And it's really it's it's with all sports. I went through it with my son in baseball. So it's it's really it's a tough one. I agree with John. It's a it's affecting the upperclassmen in high school. Uh, many of them are not getting recruited at all because of this transfer portal. Yeah. But um, so I agree with John completely. Uh, Ghoul, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's they're damned if they do, they're damned if they don't. It, it's yep. you know, it's an impossible situation created by something completely out of control of of all of our schools and all of the students, and they're figuring out a way. You know, they graduated with an undergraduate degree theoretically. Uh, you know, at one place, why, why, why not go somewhere else, get a master's, and, and keep playing? Now, I understand the, the difficulty it creates for the for the underclassmen and for the high schoolers that are being recruited, but it's going to happen. You know, I, I was going to say though, to the same point, Zay, not just about golf. I have really enjoyed watching college sports this past couple of years, and I don't know if it's 
if it's more prevalent or I'm just more available to watch it, but I've watched a ton of college softball and volleyball with my daughter. I watched the golf. Meaning the lesser, the, the non-marquee college sports you've watched more of. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Non-basketball, football. I, I mean, l- lacrosse, you know, what, whatever it is. I've, I've watched way more than I could ever recall this, this year, and maybe because it was I was home more and, you know, uh, no, Johnny. I think it's the it's it's the um, ACC network, Big Ten network, all those networks now that have to fill space. It's just yeah, not football. But and I think it's much more. But it is it is fun to watch. It's it's really relatable if you've yeah. got a teenager playing yeah. sports. Yeah, they make mistakes. Yeah, yeah it's exactly right. Um, I I saw something at the NCAA's I've never seen before, which was Clay Fiegler for Pepperdine had an ace with his own bag on his mm-hmm. back and walking. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'm like, that is and the most – is that not the most boss move ever? He hits this towering this bomb, and he's such a quick player, and these young guys are this way, that by the time it landed and went in the hole, he had to put his bag down to high-five his teammates. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It was a former punter, right? Is that true? Jay Fiegler? No, I no. I think it was. Uh, no, not Jay Fiegler, but yes, uh, Rich Fiegler. Uh, hold on, Clay no, Fiegler, dad. Uh, his thought, dad, Troy. Well, then, yeah. no, I don't know. Maybe uncle. <laughs> Maybe I you were uncle. Talking about that. <laughs> All right, uh, we got a couple minutes left here, boys. It's uh, the tea is open for you guys to go ahead and captain's choice. It. We'll start with you, uh, John Ronis. What do you What do you got? No, it's just that time of year. You know, again, uh, Father's Day is a good time to, to get out with your parents. Um, Zabe, I appreciate you covering for me last week when I tried to talk about my mother. No problem. And, um, you know, what I was trying to say is that golf is really similar to life where we have these kind of cherished moments and you meet a bunch of people and a bunch of friends. And it's a just a great way to keep those lifelong things in order, you know, just like we have with our parents. Um Enjoy the time out there with your friends. And, again, with the weather like we have it, just golf is that one binding sport that we can really do a lot with our parents or our friends. So go out there and play. My turn? Yes, Ronnie. Yep. So uh, this past weekend I was home in Indiana for the Indy 500. I've talked about it many times. I usually sneak in at least one, maybe two rounds of golf, and I was able to sneak a very round, a very special round of golf in. It was actually organized by the person that I was most excited to be playing with, and that was my brother, Rob. My brother has 11 children, four of which are adopted from Ethiopia. And unfortunately, he and his wife have been separated and are now going forward with a divorce. Uh, So the reason I say this is Rob has not played golf in 11 years until yesterday. Or I'm sorry, well, it would have been Sunday. Uh, and we, I'm sorry, Monday, Memorial Day Monday, and he has been hitting balls lately, knowing that I was coming to town. He's got the bug. You know what's great, guys, is he's still playing a set of Founders Clubs that I got for him (laughs) in college that Fred Funk was sponsored by, so Fred hooked our golf team up with him. So uh, (laughs) we had a wonderful time with, uh, wonderful doesn't even cover it. It was just a really amazing uh, day of brotherhood and camaraderie and laughing and i'll be darned if he didn't shoot 87 at the golf club of indiana wow. uh first time he was out from the back tees he's a natural athlete and right. also played with my best friend from high school kyle marsh 
And it was just, again, it's the game of golf oh, that affords so this opportunity. That's so great. 11, so. 11 kids in 11 years, and he dusts off the Founders Clubs. Uh, to play <laughs> and with he shoots you. 87 and from the back. He had a set of Cleveland VAS irons as well and a bubble burner. <laughs> but just the wedge <laughs> All right, John Gould, what do you got? And I just, I just love those conversations about when people get the golf bug and keep playing. So to uh, uh, keep pushing on on that um, uh, idea, uh, next week starts our drive, chip, and putt local qualifiers where we get kids hopefully hooked for life. They only have to hit nine shots, three drives, three chips, three putts. Uh, so anybody uh, who wants their kid to participate, whether they're a good player or they're a new player, uh, we welcome them at drivechipputt.com and they can sign up and uh, get registered to, to try it and, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, end up at Augusta National next spring. Yeah, the I future. Good stuff. Uh, the answer is Jeff Fiegels. Jeff, Jeff Fiegels, who was the punter. Yeah. Not the Clay Fiegler. Yeah, right, exactly. Not Clay Fiegler. Uh, maybe there was a Fiegels in there also. I'm going with it. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Always a good time. Thank you very much for uh, picking up the phone. And thank everybody for listening and spreading the word about the Capital Golf Gang presented by Golfdom every Saturday morning on the Team 980 as well as downloadable on my podcast feed. Just search for the Capital Golf Gang and you will find it there. Boys, off we go. We'll meet next week and we're getting closer to the U.S. Open, which should be fun. Thank you, boys. Thank you. This has been the Capital Golf Gang on the Team 980. If you'd like the gang to visit your home course, send your inquiries to zabe at yahoo.com. That's C-Z-A-B-E at yahoo.com. Or visit the show page at www.theteam980.com. And for free swag, we're all in extra large. So yeah, thanks for the shirts. 